Aloha, talofa, and good morning. It's a beautiful Lord's Day this morning. Very encouraged by your presence this morning. Uh, thank you to our visitors uh, for choosing to be with us this morning. I always say this, and, and the church hears it. Let's hear it again. You could be anywhere this morning uh, on this beautiful island, yet you chose to put God first, and we are so encouraged by your presence uh, aloha and talofa to our church family as well, all of you who are here in the building, as well as those of you on Zoom. Uh, God is so good. We have the victory in Christ Jesus, just as we sang this morning. The year is still young, right? We're still in the first month of the year, and it could be that this year, one of your goals as a child of God, or maybe it's your goal this morning to be a child of God, and, and you will have that opportunity. But maybe it's your this morning, your goal is to be more prayerful this year. This year, you're going to spend more time in prayer. Now, the Bible clearly teaches us Christians that prayer is beneficial. I can't be a Christian if I don't pray. Right? This is part of being a child of God. Prayer shows that I am dependent on God, that I want to recognize God in all of my ways, that I want to acknowledge that he is my everything. And so I want to spend a lot of time talking to him in prayer. I want to highlight for us several benefits of prayer by way of introduction uh, to our lesson Prayer, according to the scriptures, can heal the sick. James chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. The Bible says, is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing his head with oil in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. A lot of our friends and our family recognize this truth about prayer. Hence, we have long prayer lists in our bulletin, and, and rightly so, because we know that God is the great physician. When all of the works that the doctors are doing and needful work and we're thankful for their efforts, sometimes the last resort for, for hope is God. And, and I don't want us to treat God like sometimes we treat our prayer to God as like the spare tire on our car, right? Only in emergencies. <laughs> we want to be prayerful to God always. Prayer can provide healing when someone is sick. Prayer, according to the scriptures, can open doors of opportunity. Maybe you're someone this year that may be looking for a job opportunity. Uh, looking for work or whatever the case may be, uh, maybe a way to grow spiritually, whatever the goal may be. Have you thought about praying to God about it? Have you thought about asking God, God, please open some doors that, that you want me to go through and please close some doors that you don't want me to go through? That's praying to God for opportunities. Colossians chapter four, verse two through four. This is the apostle Paul requesting the saints please pray to god for an opportunity or doors of opportunity uh colossians 4 2 through 4 it says 
Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in change that I make that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Maybe you have someone in your life right now that you're thinking about, I want to talk to this person uh, about Jesus. I want to talk to them about Jesus. One of the things you have to pray for is the opportunity for that to happen, for you to present Jesus to an individual. Prayers can heal the sick. Prayers can open doors or close doors. Prayers can help us as, as Christians heal in our relationships, especially concerning sin, right? When, when we sin against each other, which is going to happen, someone will say something that's going to offend us, or we say something that offends another person or do something that offends another person. It's important that when we talk to each other, that we make sure that we pray for each other so that we can heal through that process, James chapter 5, verse 16 tells us that. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer can heal the sick, open doors of opportunity. It can heal our relationships, especially when it concerns sin. Prayer can give us wisdom. Maybe this year you are kind of going through a period where you just feel like I'm, I'm having no direction at all. I need help to make a decision concerning a certain thing that I'm dealing with right now. Well, pray to God for wisdom, right? The, the apostle James tells us that, or not the apostle James, I should correct. The half brother of Christ, that is James, wrote this in James, in James chapter one, verse five through six. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. How do we ask God for wisdom? Pray for it. Let him ask God, who gives to all liberally, and he withhold it not, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If I want wisdom, knowledge, and to make wise decisions in my life, I need to go to God in prayer for that wisdom. But then James continues in verse 6, and he says, but let him ask in faith, right? If I'm going to pray to God for wisdom, I can't be praying to God and doubting if I'm going to get it, right? If I'm, if I'm praying to God, God, please give me wisdom. If you can, right, uh, we need to be confident in that prayer. Uh, the Bible says there, but let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Notice we listed some of the benefits of prayer in our Christian life. It heals, it provides healing, it opens doors of opportunity, it helps us heal our relationships in regards of sin, it gives us wisdom, wisdom that God gives freely to those who will ask of him. And I know I don't have to cover, and we don't have the time, to cover all the wonderful prayers that we read about in the Holy Word of God, which God had answered. We know that prayer is powerful and it's beneficial. Hence, it is so important that we know how to pray. 
All right. I'll tell you, I don't remember being taught to pray. No one sat me down and said, Lima, this is how you pray. When I was growing up, my father was a religious man. He was in the Methodist church. I learned from the fact that he prayed. And I listened to my dad prayed and my mom prayed. It. And so I, I know, kind of got an idea of how to you know, how to talk to God. And so in that sense, they taught me how to pray. But I want us to notice in Luke chapter eight, so go there with me, Luke chapter eight, our sermon title comes from the, uh, Luke chapter 11, rather. In Luke chapter 11, I don't know why I say Luke chapter eight, but in Luke chapter 11, our sermon title comes from a request that a disciple of Jesus made. Notice with me, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible says this. Now it came to pass as he, that, that's Jesus, as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, right? And most of us have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if not all of us have read those books. And then we are aware of the example of Jesus in prayer. How often Jesus withdrew himself from the crowd in order for him to talk to his heavenly father. How often Jesus prayed and his disciples would notice it. Here in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, we get an insight to a disciple of Jesus who was spiritually minded. A disciple of Jesus who saw what his master did in prayer and, and said, I want to do that too. I want to be just like you, Jesus. I want to know how to pray. That's what we're seeing here. And so the disciple says to him, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. Now in Luke, the, the prayer that we see in Luke, the model prayer in that account is shorter than what we have in, in Matthew, depending on your uh, Bible version, mine is the new King James. Therefore, I'd like for us, for the remainder of our lesson, to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 that was read for us, and I want us to focus in on verses 9 through 13. We already see in the context of chapter 6, on this Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus was addressing motive. He was, he was teaching the crowd about why you do the things you do. Make sure that the things you do are done for the glory of God and not for yourself. And so he taught them about the motive of giving or doing good deeds, right? But beginning from verse 1 through 4, uh, when you do your charitable deeds, do it in secret. Don't sound the trumpet like the heathens or like the hypocrites do. Don't sound the trumpet like the Pharisees and the scribes do. But you give in secret. So your father who is in secret will see your deed and reward you openly. And it will glorify God. He taught them about their motives in prayer. 
Yes, sometimes people have bad motives in prayer. That's what we see here in Matthew chapter 6. We'll highlight that more. And then later on in, the, in, in, the, in what follows the text, he teaches them about their motive of fasting or for fasting. Right? Don't fast to receive the praise of men, but fast for the glorification of God. And our focus this morning is prayer. And so if you were to ask Jesus right now, Lord, how can I pray to the Father? How can I pray? Or Lord, teach me to pray. This is what we will get. This is the teaching uh, from verse 9 through verse 13. And what I like to do this morning, I have drawn out some very important things that are in this model prayer, that are found in this content of this prayer and the structure of this prayer that will teach us to pray to God. And the first thing that I want us to highlight from this prayer is that when you pray, make sure you have the right audience. When you pray, make sure that God is the audience of your prayer. If God is not the one whom we are addressing, then our prayer means nothing. And people pray to many things. You have people praying to statues today. You have people praying through uh, Mary. You have people praying through various different things. You name it to different objects, different audiences. And so if God is not the audience of our prayer, then it means nothing. Right? No matter what you're trying to pray for, it means nothing. Go with me to Matthew 6 and notice verse 5 there. There's an example of, of people who prayed with the wrong audience. Notice what Jesus said there. Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. What do they do? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the corners of the street, notice their audience, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. It could be they mention the name of God in their prayers. But the real audience, according to Jesus, was men. They're praying not to God. But they're praying so I can, you know, receive the praises of men. Oh, look at him. He's very spiritual. He's very religious. The praises of men. And so Jesus said, if, if that's your audience, you receive men's reward. God should be the audience of our prayer. Here's why. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. If everything good in life, if everything perfect in life comes from the Heavenly Father, then I don't need to go to anyone else to ask in prayer. That I need to go to the source of all these blessings, to the one who really cares for me, that is our Father in heaven. Number two, when you pray, be sure that you have the right ascription for God. 
the right ascription for God. Notice verse 9 through 10. Again, Jesus said, in this matter, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, one must know how to speak to God with, ver with reverence. I'm not talking to my daddy. I'm not talking to someone who is equal to me. We're not, when we pray, we're not talking to someone who is equal to us. In our, cover, in our covenant relationship with God, we are the one in need. God is the one who provides and make the demands. I'll highlight more of that in the second point. But this is the holy God that we are addressing when we pray. And so according to the way Jesus taught, Jesus ascribed to God the glory that is due to his name. He taught his disciple, when you pray, you have the right audience, our father in heaven, and you ascribe to him the glory due to his name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word hallowed there again means sanctify. It means holy, set apart. And the name of God is holy. It is the name above all names. And so we must know how to approach God and ascribe to God the glory that is due to his name. We read that in the prayers that were found in the Bible. When you read about all the prayers you find in the Bible, there is this recognition of who God is. And, and it's important for us to know who God is. If I don't know who God is, I, I might have trouble ascribing to him the glory that is due to him. And so the way we know how to do that is by looking at the examples of prayers in the Bible. One of the wonderful examples is a prayer of David. I want us to go there with me. In First Chronicles chapters 29, I want to begin reading from verse 10, if you have your Bible, all the way down to verse 20. The context of this is that the people of God were bringing all these gifts, these offerings, in order to build the temple of God, to build a house for God. And so David praised the Lord for what the people did and for who God is. And I want us to notice the language in David's prayer as he ascribes glory and virtue to God, the honor and strength that is due to his name. First Chronicles 29, beginning verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor, both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. 
In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is, it is in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all things, all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart toward you. And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things and to build the temple which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrate themselves before the Lord and the King. What a beautiful prayer by David, ascribing to God the power, the glory that is due to his name. I also don't want us to forget that there's a pasture to prayer, right? I don't pray to God with my hands, fold, feet kicked up and folded up. When I pray to God, I, I either bow down, follow the postures that we see in the scriptures. We, they bow to their faces. Some lay flat on the ground. They lift up their hands, holy hands, in prayer towards God. There's also a positive posture to prayer. So let's be sure that when we pray, and like it was done this morning when we were led in prayer, that we ascribe to God the glory that is due to him. Number three, when you pray, make sure you know how to ask and for what to ask, right? Make sure you know how to ask and for what to ask. That's verse 11 through 13. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, from the evil one. And it stops right there. And we'll look at the last part for the last point. Again, I want to remind us that even though God knows what we need, he knows. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, right? Jesus says, so do not worry. Your father knows what you need. And seek ye first the kingdom of God 
And all these things will be added to you. Even though God knows what I need, I still have to ask. I still have to bow the knee and show to God that I am willing to ask him. To show him that I depend on him. Again, our covenant relationship with God. We're the ones who are always in need. And so I don't have a right to make demands of God. But God is God. I must bow the knee and ask him. Right? Don't be like the prodigal son. Remember that parable of the prodigal son? What did the prodigal son do to his father? He made demands. He demanded his inheritance. And the father represents God in that parable. We have no right to make demands to God. We need to ask. And we need to know how to ask God for the things that we need in life. You go with me to James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, and it's written to Christians... Christians who were fighting with one another. Christians who were not receiving what they asked for in prayer because they didn't know how to ask. And so James is addressing that issue. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. The Bible says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for, for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have, listen to this, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, listen to this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it in your pleasure. You notice that, Christians? We have to ask, right? Some of the things we don't receive in life is because we haven't asked God for them, right? And sometimes when we ask for things, we have impure motives behind our requests. We're, we're, we're thinking that, that it would be a self, uh, self if it would be for self-pleasure. We ask for God so, so I could get this thing for self-pleasure. James says that. So when you do ask, you don't get it because you ask amiss. You have the wrong intentions, the wrong motives. And so when, when we pray to God, we need to know how to ask and for what to ask. Notice what is outlined here in this verse, right? Jesus taught his disciples that they should ask God to continue to provide for them all that we have. Everything in our belonging come from God. And so we thank God in prayer for providing it, but we also pray to God, continue to provide for our need. Give us this day our daily bread. From this as well, we see that Jesus taught his disciples to ask God for forgiveness in prayers. You remember Simon the sorcerer? After Simon was baptized, Acts chapter 8, the apostles Peter and John came from Jerusalem and laid hands on the Christians and Simon the sorcerer saw that the laying in of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was received. He asked the disciples, let me purchase. Let me purchase this Holy Spirit with my money. Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you think you can buy the gift of God with your money. And then Peter said to them, you need to pray to God 
that you be forgiven of the wickedness in your heart. Where can I find forgiveness after the fact that I've been baptized and I still sin? Because it happens, right? You be baptized and you're still going to make mistakes. Where can you find forgiveness in prayer? Jesus said to his disciples, um, forgive us of our debts, our sins, as we forgive our debtors. You know what Jesus said about that? If you don't forgive men their sins, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. And in the last part, we see in this part of the prayer outline that Jesus taught that his disciples should ask God for protection, right? We've been praying for that since this pandemic began. And some of us have con COVID and or your lives have been spared. Praise God for that. Some of us have never caught it. Praise God for that. For protection. He says, lead us not into temptation. Or do not lead us into temptation. God will not lead you to sin. Right? And, and some have thought, this could be better worded. Right? It's a good wording so long as you understand that God can lead you through a trial. And he can also lead you out of it. But he may lead us into trials in life. And if we are faithful to him, he will lead us out of it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. God, protect us. Deliver us from evil. We need to know what to ask for. And we need to know how to ask Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 7 and verse 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open to him. Now we understand when we pray, it's ultimately God's will that will come to pass, right? And we recognize that. We make our request and we say to God, God, this is our request. Please grant us our petition, but not our will, but let your will be done. And then finally, this morning, be sure when you pray, make sure you have the right authority. And you notice the alliteration there, right? We need to have the right audience. We need to have the right description for God. We need to know how to ask and for what to ask. And we need to know that we are asking through the right authority. The last part of the verse or of this model prayer, Jesus taught, for yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the basileia, the kingdom, kingdom which we are. It belongs to God. It's God's kingdom. Yours is the power. The dunamis is the Greek word. We get the word dynamite from it. Yours is the power. Yours is the doxa, the glory. The Greek word doxa there means glory forever and ever. That's recognizing the authority of God. God, you rule over all of us. And so when we pray, I best be sure that I'm approaching God through the proper authority, and that is Jesus Christ.
We have a phrase at the end of our prayers, right? You recognize this phrase or the equivalent of this phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. There's no such thing as a woman. You heard that before. The word amen means so be it. Let it be so, according to you, God. But notice that phrase, in the name of Jesus, is not just some phrase that we have to add at the end of our prayer. It's actually recognizing the glory, the authority of Christ Jesus. God, I offer my prayer through my mediator, through the one that is interceding on my behalf, Jesus. Go with me to 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 5. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 5. Jesus is our mediator. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Christ, even in prayer. We go through Christ. Notice with me, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 5. Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging him to teach the church to prioritize prayer. And he says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. When I pray, I must pray through the authority of my intercessor, through Christ Jesus. That's why we say in the name of Jesus, amen. Colossians 3 verse 17 tells us, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. This morning, if you were to ask Jesus, Lord, teach me to pray, he would want you to know this, that you need to have the right audience in your prayer. It is your heavenly Father. that You need to give to God the right ascription due to his name, the glory the power, the strength due to God's name. You need to know how to ask for things and for what to ask. And after you ask, you recognize, Lord, your will be done and not ours. And then finally, you must go to God through the right authority, Jesus Christ. So if this year your goal is to be more prayerful, do what Jesus taught in prayer. Pray this way to our Heavenly Father. Now, I understand there are times in our walk where we don't have the words to pray. When we just feel like just crying and don't have the words to express our feelings to God. Well, the Holy Spirit will have the words. The Holy Spirit will communicate our prayers, our thoughts to our Heavenly Father. Maybe this morning you're, you've been praying this year and you've asked and you've in your prayer, you, you've asked God, God, teach me the way of salvation. Let God answer that prayer for you this morning through the preaching of his word. 
you want to obey the gospel this morning, you need to believe Jesus is the son of God. You need to repent of your sins. Say, I'm going to give up the lifestyle of sin. I'm going to live for God. I know I'm going to stumble, but I'm going to strive to live for God. You confess his name before people. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Confess that you believe he is the son of God before the audience here this morning. Then you need to be baptized, uh, washing away all of your sins and live a faithful life to God. If you haven't done that, then you are not saved. And you have an opportunity this morning to be saved and for your prayers to be answered this morning before God. Maybe you have done those things and you look at your life this morning and you recognize, you know, I have sinned. I've sinned before God and I need his forgiveness. Forgiveness is found when we confess our, our sins to God in prayer and ask for his forgiveness. And he is just, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Whatever your need may be this morning, we want to serve you. So come in as we stand and sing the song of encouragement.